Bye. <clears throat> Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. My name is John Sanders. I'm here with my co-host and my friend, Les Hughes. Les, talk to me today, bro. How you doing? What's going on, John? I'm doing real good down here in the Southeast. How about yourself? Life is good here as well, man. So nothing new to report. Nothing crazy going on anyway. So we've got a good guest lined up this week that I'm excited to share with our audience. We do. We do. Her name is Katie Horner. And she is part of our tribe. My goodness. She is an, I guess we'd call her an entree missionary, maybe. Ooh, uh, that sounds like a know. good podcast, the entree a missionary mouthful. podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, but she's good people and um, she really gets what we're all about. Boy, we could, I mean, I was, I was taking some notes as she was walking through her business structure and, and uh, what that means to their life. And, I've known a lot of missionaries, John, but she has got a very, very different model when it comes to funding the kingdom work that she's doing with her husband. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, can we just talk for a minute? Can we can we have some Baptist church talk for just a second, Les, you and I? Uh, if you must. Okay, sure. so we are, you are, <laughs> I grew up in an independent fundamental Baptist church. We were independent. We were very fundamental. And um, you grew up in Southern Baptist, so the fact that we're even we're even talking right now is is just a work of God because I've had to come a long Indeed. way to realize that the kingdom of God is much bigger than the church I grew up in. But here's the thing: so- Southern Baptists do it a little different when it comes to missions, right? Like if you're sending out mm-hmm. a missionary, they're not going around to all, a whole bunch of churches necessarily. They're going to the mission board, correct? It and getting funding through that, correct? Sort of. Sort of. They um they do receive their funding through the International Mission Board called IMB for short, and um it's a collective really it's a it's a it's a really cool system because it what that does is it'll allow a church that has fifty or thirty or twenty five to be able to partner with missionaries around the world along with churches that have five or ten or fifteen thousand so it's right. called the cooperative program and each church as a part of the convention, then uh, contribute to that. That's a, that's a real basic description, but that's pretty much what it is. And so when they're home, they don't have to go around the missionaries that is and fundraise necessarily, but they do come back and they're on furlough and it's, they, they will go to churches and they'll contact their partners and they'll tell their story and give people updates. So they, they still do some of that, but it's not, quite the pressure yeah. as what some of them have in fundraising. Yeah. And the reason I'm going there in this and setting this up is because you're going to hear in Katie's story that, that she came from a world, I think maybe a little more similar to mine. And so in my yeah. tradition, Les, it, uh, if you were a missionary, if you felt called by God to go serve in some other part of the world, you had to raise the money on your own. And what that looked like was going out on deputation, going around to churches, getting up and talking to people you don't know and telling them what you feel God's called you to do and asking them to give you money to you know commit to ongoing monthly financial support and prayer support to, to help keep you 
where you need to be to pay the bills for you to go do what you, you need to do. So you're going to hear in this conversation, Katie's going to make a statement toward the end, I think, that um, she's she's not a fan of that model at all. And she, this yeah. is coming from someone who has been there, done that. And I also have been there, done that. I didn't go to some foreign country. I came to an exotic place called Flandreau, South Dakota, and planted a church. But that was how we funded our initial few years up here was kind of like a missionary. So in many ways, I can so relate to those young families, those missionary families that are out on the road trying to make kids behave in strange new places and, you know, present yourself as this perfect missionary family when, you know, in hopes you're just trying to make a few bucks, get some commitment to to be able to go do what you feel God's called you to do. Anyway, Katie has a whole different model now that funds their missions work. And uh, it's through entrepreneurialism. It's through business. And uh, they're doing probably, it's fair to say, is it not less, they're doing a little bit better today than the funding model that they started out with, correct? I think that's fair to say. Yeah, we'll yeah. let we'll let her share the details as we get to the interview. But uh, anything else, Les, before we go to the interview with Katie? No, uh, let's go. All right, man. So you guys are in for a good one. Without any further ado, here is our conversation with Katie Horner. Check this out. Well, Katie, welcome to the Entree Pastors Podcast. We are so delighted to have you joining us on the show. It's my pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. Now, you, Les and I recently met you. You're a brand new member in the mastermind that uh, Les and I are involved with, with Dan Miller. You just joined the team. And when we heard just a little snippet of your story, we're like, we got to have her on the show. She is the epitome of what we're trying to help many people do in the ministry space as entree pastors. So... I'm just going to let you share your story, if you don't mind, kind of give a an overview of how you guys were missionaries and how you've transitioned that to you're still probably missionaries, still serving the Lord, still preaching the gospel, but you're funded a lot better than what normal missionaries are funded these days. So talk about that, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, well, our story started way back in high school when my husband and his family went to Mexico as missionaries when he was in high school. Um, I lived in the States all through my high school, but knew I was headed for the mission field. I had already uh, told God I would have to surrender to stay in the States. My heart was overseas through different ways that he had just prepared me for that. And so when we both got to college and realized we were both headed in the right direction, had the same circle of friends, God brought us together. And um, after we married and finished our college work, we started deputation to come to Mexico as missionaries. And originally that was to work with the Bible college ministry and a couple years and a couple babies into that whole journey. Um, the Lord moved us to another place, but it wasn't one of those like blessings on your move kind of moves. It was yeah. one of those really hard. Um, we don't want you to go. Um, and there was just a lot of things that happen in there as often ministry decisions and splits do. And um, there was, it was a very hard move, but we knew God was leading us to this next ministry, which was the children's home ministry on the other side of Mexico. And mm. so long story short, we ended up at the children's home ministry um, after a very difficult transition year. And nine months into that ministry, the ministry leader there said, you know what? My national staff wasn't in agreement with bringing you in. This is not working. You need to go. Mm. And so here we were you know, a young family, four small children in another country with barely enough support to make it happen and already a tarnished name for having left the ministry number one under less than perfect circumstances. 
and here we are, you know, you can't be here anymore. And praise the Lord, he protected us from any accusations of wrongdoing or anything like that. We have no regrets about our part in it, but it was a very difficult situation. What are we going to do? We didn't have savings. We didn't have credit cards. We didn't have a work visa. Uh, We didn't have enough money to get back to the States if we'd wanted to. Hmm. What were we going to do? And um, the Lord just kind of impressed upon our hearts at that time, start a business. And Can I pause you you real quick right there? Can I pause you? Before we get into the business, which I can't wait to hear about, I just want to back up for a minute. So- you, I know. I grew up in a in a fairly traditional Baptist church. We were very involved in missions giving. So, from my background, I have a pretty well a set idea of what it looks like to go into full time missions work. But can you just describe from your background and where you were coming from? Like, what did that funding look like? How did you all, you know, how did you afford to go down and you know survive and eat and live as missionaries yeah. in Mexico? Of course. So we were part of an. Uh, a Baptist congregation, a not Southern Baptist, independent Baptist congregation. We oh, actually we're like attended, siblings in because that's where I came from. So keep keep going, sister. <laughs> we attended a Spanish Baptist church in Greenville, South Carolina. That's where we were married. We had a bilingual service oh, because wow. we already knew at that point we were headed back to Mexico to serve the Lord. Um, and so we had to find a mission board and be approved by you know do the application process, be approved as missionaries to go serve at this college initially. Um, and then we had to raise our own funding. And mm-hmm. so it was two years of grueling travel around the States and phone calls. And, and my husband is not a preacher. Hmm. He went to school to work with his hands and support the work of the ministry with what he knew to do in construction and plumbing and electrical. And can he preach? Absolutely. Any of us can preach. We're all called to give the gospel, but that was not his major gifting. So those were really difficult years for us in raising that funding. And, Eventually, it got to where um, we we needed to go. And we had one specific donor who said, you just go. You're at 50% support. It's been two years. I'll make up the difference for you for two years. You need to get on the field, get some experience, get some, you know, get some work in and let me take care of it. So for two years, we had full support through that donor. Um, and that was about the time that the Lord began to work in our hearts to transition us to the next ministry. Okay. So... So just a little side note, I have ADD, so we may chase a few shiny objects. But when you say raise in full support, uh, we all know that as missionaries, that means you know a seven-digit seven income that you're living high on the hog. So you're at 50% of that, and then someone else steps in and writes the big check for the big bucks, right? I mean, that's that's the full support you're talking about, correct? Um, in 2007, when we arrived in Mexico, our full support was about 3200 a month. So I want that to just set in for a moment because you it took two years to raise about half of that. 1500 a month. Yeah. yeah. So let's just let's all breathe that in. That's my world. That's what I come from. We came, we were funded in a similar way. We went out and raised financial support to come and plant a church in South Dakota. Um, that's not an easy sell going around to churches that are wanting to hear about missionary stories and jungles and tribes in Africa and all this stuff. And and then we come in talking about South Dakota. So I'm just resonating with that part of it. You get funded. Now, the other thing I wanted to draw out of your story without, and I'm not asking you to be, you know, to share any details you don't want to share, but I just want to point this out because this, this is going to resonate with our audience. What is it about the church? What is it about us as, as God's people where we 
where we shoot the wounded sometimes, or we shoot our own, or we, we, it's like, if you do something different than what we had, you know, the way we see it needs to be done. It's like out from us, you heretic, like go do it differently. So I'm not asking you to get into details. I just want to point out that here you are serving God. You feel this calling on your life to serve as missionaries. And now there's this man-made issues that are being brought in messing up the ministry that you're intended to do in the first place, because not everybody agrees with how things should be done. So I just want to highlight that. I guess it's not really a question in that, but to, I think a lot of pastors will resonate with this, like low pay, kind of some crazy expectations that if we don't toe the line exactly how it needs to be, then goodbye, go do it somewhere else or whatever. So anything you want to add to that before we let you continue your story? I think it's really important. Obviously, I, I, with hindsight, I believe there's a lot of things that are broken in the traditional missionary support system um, and the whole raising funds for yourself. Anyway, um, I don't, I don't believe that begging is a scriptural principle that God promotes. Mm. And essentially, we ask our missionaries to go out and beg yep. for what they know God has called them to do. And my God says, "I will supply all your need." My God says, "I've called you to this. I will do it through you. I am your provider." And I feel like when we ask folks to go out on and raise support for themselves, for what God has called them to do, that we often don't have the correct mindset, the, both the ones doing the fundraising, as well as those listening, that this is God's work. This is not about that person. Mm. This is not about them earning it or them being qualified or not, or that like so much of it is caught up in, in the, the humanness of the process that we forget that God is the provider and that God can do amazing things through the people that he calls and, and can provide for it with or without your help. Wow. Right. And, um, I don't believe that the, the, the traditional raising support system is even a principle found in scripture after the studies and the, the things that we've lived through. I believe we should all be out there um, raising, raising funds for others who are yeah. doing the ministry. I think if you're going to be a missionary on the field now and there's a support raising issue, you should spend two years raising support for somebody else and their cause and what they're doing that you believe in and can have a part in it. Because we all know it's so much easier to promote somebody else other than ourselves. And this is all God's work. It's not their work and your work and my work. It's all God's work. And I think it makes it so much easier when there's people who believe in you who are willing to step in and do that fundraising for God's work through you without having to put that person in the spotlight because our humanness messes so much of it up. Yeah. You know, one thing years ago, we have a mutual friend, obviously, and Dan Miller, we're both in his mastermind. And um, when he used to, on his podcast, talk about his his position on missions giving or what the church has traditionally, you know, how we've approached that. And when he would really speak against that in so many ways, it was it was grating to me. I was like, Dan, like that's hard for me to hear because I grew up in a church where this was how we did it. This is how it was modeled. And so when I heard him, you know, basically challenging that point of view of a missionary going around with their hand out, you know, I feel called to God's work, so therefore I need you to give to me to go make that happen. And instead, he's coming from a more entrepreneurial place, like create something of value in the world that people will pay you for and, you know, self-sustain, fund fund your ministry. That was a novel concept to me, but the more the more I've sat in it and the more I've looked back and evaluated not only my own experiences, but that of many other missionaries and pastors over the years, I'm like, there's something there. And you're, you're, you guys are an example of that. So let's keep going with your story. So you, here you are basically broke on the mission field, needing funding. What's next? 
Well, uh, we started to ask, you know, Lord, what are you trying to get us to see? I don't, I don't believe so much in asking God why. I don't think he owes us any explanations, but it's more, what are you doing? What, what can we see from what you're doing here? And we were just starting to homeschool our children at that point and recognized that there was a great need for materials in the Spanish language that were quality homeschool curriculums. At the point that we started back in 2011, there was only two or three companies that existed where you could order homeschool curriculum in the Spanish language, and you had to speak English to call and make the orders Mm. or to use their website, right? And websites were still relatively new at that time. And so, you know, this is a real big issue for a third world country or countries who speak this and want to be able to homeschool their children in this discipleship manner. And we said, we can fix that. We can do that. We'd had to create our own website as a missionary. We'd had to learn some HTML and some things already. We'd had to market ourselves. Like we could do this. We could step in. I had a master's degree in curriculum development and and educational leadership. Um, We can fill this spot. And so we followed the Lord's leading in starting this business and we created what became the first and for 10 years, the only literature-based homeschool curriculum in the Spanish language, first kindergarten, first grade, all the way up through sixth grade materials, eight grade levels of a homeschool curriculum that was a literature-based method that didn't exist before in that language and began to mentor um, the parents through our blog post. And we were the first ones to have online summits for Spanish-speaking home educators and um, just really poured our hearts into growing this business, which created so much more ministry than we'd ever had on a local basis. And um, then a couple years into that, the Lord allowed us to start teaching uh, English speaking entrepreneurs how to grow their business and do their marketing. And things have just continued to grow from there. Man, that's incredible. So where are you at today? If someone were to meet you today and you were to describe kind of a snapshot of what what your business is today and what it's grown to, how would you how do you introduce yourself to people today? I introduce myself typically as the CEO of Handprint Legacy, which is a business that empowers Christians in the marketplace to uh, love on their people and grow their businesses in a, in a better way. And the love is a big part of that because of all the things that we have gone through in business and in ministry, I believe the way that we will shine our lights best in this world is doing what God created us to do taking his light into those marketplaces and being an example of love and excellence to the world that he places us in. Um, We still do have a ministry to homeschool speakers. We closed our physical curriculum store at the end of 2021, um, but we still speak and mentor and have a business there. Our our membership for homeschool parents in Spanish got passed on. um, And now we are mentoring our longtime assistant who took over that part of the business from us. And um, we continue to homeschool our own children and to, you know, develop other streams of income and influence as the Lord allows us to grow. When you get to that point where you're starting to hand off other parts of your business, that usually means one of two things. Either it's an utter failure and we're shutting it down, or it's we've got new opportunities. And so now we're moving on to some bigger and better, exciting new opportunities. And we're going to you know, hand this other stuff off to other people. So what are some of those? And I know, I know in your case, it's not that the other thing's an utter failure. It's, it's the, it's the latter, right? So what are some of those new and exciting ways that you guys are adding streams of revenue, serving new people? Like, what does that look like specifically? Well, paradoxically, it is simplification rather than, than, uh, adding. Um, and that was a big piece of our last real growth, 
um, is learning that you can do all the things. You just can't do them all at once and you can't do them all at once well. And so focusing in on really where our gifting is, is in empowering and edifying and teaching. And that is having more of an impact right now in this English speaking business world. This is where we felt God was pushing us for the need, both in business and ministry. And that was taking up more and more of our time. At the same time, we're also realizing that the days with our children at home are dwindling quickly. And we needed to be able to to blend business in such a way that allowed for those priorities to have a bigger place in this next season. At the same time, the online homeschool realm has grown so tremendously just in the last two to three years that it is become it is one both more increasingly difficult to get physical materials from country to country. Shipping rates have doubled. Um, demand and supply and and all of those things have created increased friction and difficulty to where it was no longer profitable for us to have a physical business that was shipping to third world countries around the world, both Mm. for the pricing and the deliverability and all of those. Um, and, And there are so many more resources that are available online. I still do believe that for elementary school, you have to have physical materials in your hands for a lot of the teaching. Um, however, it was just at the point where it was no longer uh, a wise business decision for us to be able to keep that part of the business open. Mm. So our, our blogging and our teaching and our speaking is still a, a big part of what we do. And the, the membership where we're able to mentor those uh, homeschool moms in Spanish, our, our assistant that had been with us for seven years is more than capable of continuing to shepherd that group. And it gave her a business that would continue cool. to provide for her family in a way that we no longer needed that aspect to support us. Love that. And so, you know, training up, mentoring and and passing this on, this is all part of legacy. And we're thrilled that the Lord has allowed these changes to happen so that we can focus more on the English speaking side of what we're doing and empowering these believers in business to step more boldly into who they are in the marketplace for the glory of God. Katie, you've touched on the the pivoting part of that between the different facets facets of what you all are, are doing. So if we could, would you drill down a little bit more in that? Because that really is much of the entrepreneurial journey. So as you all, it sounds like you're still in some ways making that transition. So there's the whole idea of, hey, I want to stay long enough to really see this through and not chase a shiny object. I mean, give something enough time and, and effort and work to really see if it's going to go. But also once those different um, um, ways to measure success have shifted and the obstacles really started to be in many ways, probably insurmountable when you talk about the costs of all of that, mm-hmm. how, what was that shift like y- your mindset like, and then the practical part of making that pivot, because that is so much of what our listeners go through and knowing the timing of that and just how to make it happen. Yeah, that's a great question, Les. And for us, you know, speaking of my husband and myself, I'm more the face of the business, but he's very definitely the other half of things behind the scenes. Um, it really was, it has been a journey of getting to know our God better and getting to know what he's asked us to do. And in everything that we do in our business, we're always coming back to who is God What does he say about our business? What does he say about what we're supposed to do? What's our next right step? And in in having the two businesses, you know, and they were, how do you do it all? How do you do both? Shouldn't you narrow it down to one? Many coaches told us you have to focus on one and, and we would go back and forth with the season's demands, right? Until it got to the place where we had direction from God in terms of 
how we were feeling and responding to things. And, and it's not, I don't have a cut and dried, like when this happens, you will know, or, or when you hit this statistic, it's time, you know, but it was more of a, just walking with God in every one of those decisions and evaluation points. And, and for a long time, we like, this was not something we decided overnight to close down that part of the business and focus over here. It was something that had been a long time coming. Is it time? Is it time? Will we still be doing this next year? Is this, you know, and, and constantly asking as, as things continue to progress and get increasingly harder with finding the materials and being able to distribute them and getting them safely to the destination and the follow-up and the whatever. One of the things that we started noticing is that we started having hard feelings towards that work. Mm. We started feeling frustrated. We started feeling a resentment towards a customer service issue or a something that had to be resolved because it was taking us away from the other work that felt more important. Mm. And when we started to have those kinds of feelings, that's when we really started the discussion to say, is it time to let this go? Is God asking us to hand this off or to just stop what we're doing and focus over here? And I believe in faithfulness. I believe God directs. And I believe that if he's called you to do it, that doesn't change just because you're not getting new information, right? Like if he's called you to do it, it should only take one calling and you be faithful until the plan changes and Mm -hmm. he'll let you know when that changes. And that's how it worked for us is just that increasing feeling of, of frustration and of this is getting harder and harder to do this in a way that feels like we're glorifying God with it. Um, and then looking at those options and Lord, what would you have us do? It's it's your business. Where do you want this to go from here? Can I ask a quick follow up? Then Les, I'll let you jump back into your your questions. But um, to that, Katie, I'm as I hear you say that, and I want to repeat it back to you to make sure that you hear how I'm hearing it, and, and then you can speak to this. But like, is it our? Am I hearing you say that sometimes God can change our assignment, and we know that that assignment is changing based on some things that are happening in our heart, that, that things that once maybe we loved to do or we joyfully did, all of a sudden we're starting to, to, to maybe lose the passion for it or lose our heart for it. And I'm hesitant to say that because, again, it, you ask any pastor on a Monday morning, that's where they're at. You know, they're frustrated. They think about quitting every Monday. But something you just said resonated with me and my story because there was a season in my pastoral ministry where I started to feel maybe resentment might be a good word toward things that at one time I joyfully stepped into. And I started to realize, I think, I think God's starting to cut some heartstrings loose in me and starting to release me from my assignment of where I'm at. And that was hard for me to go through that for many reasons, but am I, is that kind of what I'm hearing you say, or what would you say to that pastor or missionary? That's like, I think I'm tired of serving in this role or serving in this capacity you know, cause you were kind of there maybe more on the business side, but what would you say to that person? Well, first, I think we have to be very careful in defining our terms and what we're, what we're talking about, because I think there are things that are covenant commitments. And then I think there are things that are practical commitments. And I think in terms of the, the vehicles that God uses in our lives to do his work in the world, those are practical commitments not always covenant ones. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're talking about, well, I've lost the passion for my husband, maybe God's moving me on. Like, I'm sorry, that's a covenant commitment. That's a different discussion entirely. Right. So, so just to distinguish the two, but in terms of, of the practical commitments that we make, um, I do believe Ecclesiastes 224 is a verse that we never see. I have never seen 
used in preaching in terms of your work and things. But that verse says, it is good for a man that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his work. God wants us to enjoy the work that he puts in our hands. So good. And if you're not enjoying it, there is a problem. Is it God's work or is it something you've taken on because you want to do it? Right. And I think that is part of what he used. I don't believe we should be run by our emotions. I believe emotions are there to help us live our life, not to define the life that we live. And the truth is there to define the life that we live. And the truth is, if God has called you to this, he can do it through you and He's the author of this. He has the right to change the plans. Mm, good. You have the right to be faithful in what he's called you to do until such a time as you have the clarity that he's changing your direction. That's so oh. good. That's good stuff. I mean, that's, that's just a great word right there, Katie. So let's, let's jump forward to, sort of to where you are right now. And I want to do this for the people that we've been describing some. They're really in the grind and they're doing a good work, but they may sense that there's just something more or there's something else or other, or even in addition to, but they're just not, they're just not there yet. So would you paint a vision for them? Okay. And, and you're, you're still, you're building something, right? I, and I know John and I both know some of your goals for this next year and they are awesome. Yeah. So man, we are we are with you and, and pulling for you and may your tribe increase. Right. But I want you to just talk about what your life is like now, your family life, um, the, you know, the relationship with your, your kids and husband and even the people that you're serving now that the, the kind of financial pressure that you were up against, even when you had the support, I know how this goes. We've got very close family members that are in similar work. All right. And even when you have the support, there's no guarantee to be there next month or the next. It's just hanging on by a thread in many ways. So what were what was things like what were things like then compared to now inside as well as what you're able to do with your with your time to use on the field or in people's lives and not in raising resources? Yes. Well, I think first I'd like to address those in ministry who may be feeling like life would be more certain if you had a business. Um, And just remind you that God is your provider, no matter which side of the entrepreneurial fence you're on. Um, Your support is not guaranteed and neither is your business income. Um, God is our provider. That is where this comes from. That is where the sales comes from. That is where the results in our business comes from. It doesn't come from me or from my title or from what I do on a day-to-day basis. In terms of our life, uh, our, our ministry, we lived under fear of man um, in ministry. And, and whether that was culture, whether that was tradition, whether that was the institutes that we were a part of, um, we lived in fear of man. Every decision that we made in our, in our life, in our marriage, in our, with our children, with our finances, came back to what will the supporters say? Yep. Who will stop sending if we make this decision? Yep. Who, will be, who will not be pleased with us? Who will come back and reprimand us? Because that is how we had been trained to think and to respond. And that is not glorifying to the Lord. Amen. And so when we branched out and started building our business, we had to come back to who is our God? Our God is to be feared, but not to fear retribution. It is that awesome fear that says, wow, I can't believe he made me to do this. I can't believe I get to wake up and do this every day. And there is is an emotion with that that also teaches you to 
to walk in a confidence that we didn't have when we were answering to man and man's institutions, right? And I do believe that there's a hierarchy of authority. I believe that God put that in community. He put that in church. He put that in the, his, the, the relationship of the Trinity even, right? So I'm not talking about not answering to anyone, but that idea that God owns this business. I answer to him. He chose me to be CEO, either because he already knew I was qualified or he knew he could qualify me by doing it through me. That gives an incredible confidence. And so the decisions that we make today are much more joy-filled decisions. They're, they're much more confident decisions, both in our business and in our family. Um, we both have worked from home all of this time, whereas Tap was always out with ministry long hours and doing things here and there. He's much more around the house now. We still have ministry outreach. He still you know, gets to talk to, to neighbors and, and run the errands and go minister to folks as he's helping fix a door or a toilet somewhere and you know, all of that kind of thing. Um, but we are, my kids have both of us all the time. They're in the other room right now, but they know if they needed me, they could walk in even when I'm on a call and pass me a note or let me know what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that unity and that seeing mom and dad at work and seeing how we respond to things and being witness to the hard things that we're, that we're going through, as well as rejoicing in the wins and the, the rewards that we have. Um, has really, really been huge. And we, we homeschool or unschool our children. Um, three, two of our teens have a job in our business at the moment. One is training to, to help with our accounting and the other is training to help with our social media management and YouTube management. And it's just a joy to have them as a part of that life. And we enjoy each other now because there's less anxiety and less of that living in fear than there was previously. And I don't think the shift is just the finances. I think the shift is also coming to recognize that God is the provider, regardless of what side of the fence my finances are coming from. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit here. For those that are listening to our audio podcast and not on YouTube, um, they can't see this, but I can see it. You are surrounded by flamingos and color. I'm always fascinated by branding. I'm always fascinated by the things that make people stand out. Now, when I first let mess, let met less, by the way, I made him take down all his flamingos that were behind him. I was like, Les, that's not going to work for what we're trying to I'm do I'm still kind of bitter about that. <laughs> yeah, we're in counseling about it. But anyway, <laughs> tell me about the flamingos. Tell me about the, the branding. What, what's, what's the color about? I love it. So flamingos are what I call our accidental branding. Uh, we did not necessarily have a mascot until about three years ago when we wrote the book Faith Like Flamingos. And Faith Like Flamingos came out of a family trip to go see flamingos in the wild here in our area of Mexico where they winter. And um, the more that I thought about that experience and the more that I I, uh, dove into research different facts about the flamingos, the Lord just kept bringing uh, lessons to me about how believers in business are like the flamingo in so many different ways. And so Faith Like Flamingos is more of a devotional book around the practical lessons we can learn for business and faith um, from that quirky bird that God put out there. Um, and it, it took off. Once that book became a bestseller, uh, I started getting messages and people tagging me on Instagram and Facebook and sending me videos of flamingos. And every, I, I think of you, I think of your book every time I see a flamingo. And so we have embraced it. And um, yeah, we have a flamingo painted on the wall in our office and have just sort of ad- adopted it because it, it is unique. And that yeah. is part a big part of the message 
of the business that we have is that, yes, you are created in the image of God and you have a special stamp of uniqueness that allows you to both be bold in who you are and to not fear the dangers around you because God has put you in this perfect environment. You were brought to the kingdom for just this time Mm. in all of history. You were born for this time because there are people right here who need you and need your impact on the the ecosystem of the marketplace as you are. And we have just adapted it and and embraced it. And um, it's also going to have a feature in our next book. So that's cool. How many books have you written, Katie? We counted up the other day and we've published over 73 titles since 2011. Wow. And that that includes some of the curriculum as well that you produce? Includes some of the curriculum yeah. and educational resources. and But we've had 10 that hit bestseller title. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Before we're done, we'll make sure people know where they can go, you know, see all of that and connect with uh, you more. Um, and you don't, if you don't want to answer this next question, you don't have to, I can edit this out, but, um, in our mastermind, we share very openly kind of our goals and where we're headed and where we've been. Do do you mind sharing that for this audience? If not totally fine, but do you mind sharing kind of, I just would love to create some of that contrast of missionaries kind of barely scraping by at $3,000 a month in full support versus where you are today. Yeah. Well, you know, all glory to the Lord that he's the one who owns the business and grows it at his discretion. But in during the pandemic, we quadrupled our business income. Um, we hit six figures then for the first time. And if the Lord continues to bless, the trajectory that we're looking at could be a million dollars within the next 12 months. Man, and may it happen. I love that. Absolutely yeah. love that. So, and again, just to be clear, we're not saying that if everybody moves to Mexico and starts a homeschool curriculum, you know, company that they can be there. That isn't the the point of sharing that. It's creating that that contrast to help. I want pastors to know those past the the profile of a pastor who's struggling in ministry, barely getting by, and has been told this is what it looks like to be in ministry and to serve God. That there's another way that it and it probably has a lot more to do with who God made you to be and releasing you to be that than than serving in this very rigid mold of what a, a man-made tradition in many ways has said it looks like to serve God. So that's where I love sharing stories like yours, Katie, and I'm grateful that you shared that. Our hey, ministry today, you know, is so much bigger than what it was when we were in full-time ministry, quote mm. unquote. Um, we, we now get to to shine the light and talk about Jesus wherever he gives opportunity. And that could be in a zoom room or a boardroom or a conference room or a, you know, all we've, we have counseled through our coaching, you know, people hire us to coach and we end up counseling for different things. I mean, we've done marriage counseling through our business. We've done suicide counseling through our business, you know, and not because I'm qualified, but because God had us at the right place at the right time to speak to one of his people who needed the message. Yeah, and Les, I'll come back to you real quick. I just I had it on my notes from earlier, and you transitioned well to that, Katie. Of um, this is a theme we hear a lot in our community from pastors that are out in the marketplace, where they say, "I get way more ministry opportunity out here than inside the four walls of my church building or my church office." So, do you want to say any more about that? I mean, you kind of already alluded to that, but tell us more about those types of ministry opportunities that come about as a result of business and just being in the marketplace. I don't believe you have to be obnoxious or or silly about sharing the gospel. I think you just have to live your faith. Mm -hmm. Your faith should not be relegated to Sundays and and church services. Faith is something you live inside and out. The flamingo, for example, is pink inside and out. 
His flesh is pink. His blood is pink. His tissues are pink. His feathers are pink. And all of that pinkness comes from the food that he feeds himself. When you are feeding yourself on God's word, when you're walking in relationship with him, you will be full of faith, whether you're in church or in the marketplace. Mm. There will be no distinction of what you look like based on your surroundings, because that is who you are inside and outside. And just showing up and being excellent in your service, being kind in your customer service and treatment, being patient with folks, um, being helpful, doing you know the, your ethics and your policies in your business, all of that reflects God's glory, whether or not you ever use the word Christian in your business. And it causes people to sit up and take notice and say, what is it about you? What makes you different? What is the light I see in your eyes? How do you love people like this? Those are the exact comments we've gotten over and over in public spheres in the marketplace, just because we showed up authentically to live out our faith in that sphere. So good. Hey, before John takes us to the backstage portion of the podcast, Katie, you touched on something a minute ago that really, John, this could be probably needs to be an episode all in itself, because I don't know that we've talked about this that much, but you mentioned family a minute ago and that your kids are now learning a certain part of the family business. And while family businesses have been a part of the American tradition for a long, long time, whether it be, but it was normally maybe a restaurant or a, or a consignment shop or, you know, something like that. Now, because of the uh, landscape of online businesses and social media platforms and people being connected in a different way, plus continues uh, continue uh, continued increasing in higher education, especially the ton of student loan debt that now parents are living under. They don't want that for their kids. So all of that seems to be coming together. And I believe that this business model is going to continue to grow exponentially in the future. And there are people that are listening to this right now that are leaning into this question because they're foreseeing the same thing about their businesses. So what is your and your husband's goals when it comes to your family members, your kids being a part of this business? Because knowing you a little bit like we do, I believe you got a plan. So what are you, what are you seeing as you bring them into the picture more and more? We don't necessarily have a plan or design for our children's future. Um, I believe that's up to God. We do have a plan for how we're equipping them for that future. And so while they are a part of our business now, we haven't made any particular designs in terms of passing this off to them or expecting them to take over any certain things, but we are giving them an opportunity to be involved now with the talents and gifts that God is showing that they have. And that is one of the huge blessings of, of being able to be a, a unit that works together and plays together and learns together and discusses uh, things together is that we've been able to see as their personalities have developed where their talents lie and encourage them in those directions. And so while one is an artist and one has more of a, a, a gifting towards, towards comic art and, and video editing, and another one has got a real gift for numbers and orders and sequences of things, like we're looking and saying, like, what could we teach them now that would serve them as a skill in the future, wherever God might take them? And so they're, they're in training, we're giving them education and we're giving them opportunity to train. And now we're giving them an opportunity for paid work in the business as they gain more responsibility and skill in those areas. And I don't know where that'll take them. 
in the future. Um, I'm thrilled to have it while I have it now and excited to see what God's going to do with them. But you know, we have one that wants to go to college. Abs- like her eyes are focused in that direction. Um, she has no clue what she wants to study, but she wants to go to college and that's great. We'll support yeah. that. And how can we raise the money so that this doesn't become a burden for you to do that? If God has placed that desire in your heart. And we have another one that says, why would I need to go to college? I'm making money now. I can, I have a business at 15. I don't need to go to college and spend all that money for four years of sitting in a schoolroom. you know? Yeah. So it's, it's totally different giftings and personalities. And I believe God has totally different futures for them. And if it should be the business, we would welcome that at that point. Um, but it's definitely not something we're expecting either. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Well, in a minute, we're going to ask you to join us backstage and we want to drill deeper down into what you call the four pillars of Flamingo marketing. So can you give us just a little teaser as to what that is without giving away all the goods? What is Flamingo marketing? Well, the aspect of flamingo marketing is embracing your your uniqueness and being able to leverage that. And there are four specific things that we teach, four specific areas that we teach to our course creators and our, our coaches and our programs to be able to leverage that uniqueness in those four very important parts of the programs that you p- provide to your clients. And uh, it, it goes back to, you know, number one, who is your God and how has he uniquely gifted you to do this thing and get this transformation for your people? And then we apply that in those four special areas in your program. Fantastic. Well, we'll, we'll dig deeper into that in our backstage portion. I have a feeling I'm getting ready to learn some more about flamingos. Les tried telling me all about them and I just, I wasn't listening, but then, but I'm ready now when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So here we are. Hey, John, before we go to the backstage, what is this backstage pass that you speak of, my friend, and how might one acquire such pass? That's a great question. If you just go to entrepastors.com forward slash community, it's right there. It's just a premium slice of the of the Entree Pastors podcast that anybody can subscribe to, and then you get your own private RSS feed, and you get all of the podcasts, not just the the front stage portion of it. We go behind the scenes a little bit. So good question, Les. Katie, you were saying something before we cut you off. So go right ahead. You are our guest. The shameless commercial. (laughs) No, I love it. I I was just going to say, I didn't know that you were a Flamingo friend as well. So I'm excited to see, see, hear the backstory for that one too. I'll have to just, Les, we're going to have to let your inner Flamingo come out for the whole world to see. I'm sorry I've suppressed that in you. So Her name is Paige. <laughs> hey, b- before we go, Katie, uh, we have really enjoyed hanging out with you and we're grateful for your time. If someone wanted to connect with you, learn more about the work you're doing in the world, what's the best way for them to find you and reach out? handprintlegacy.com is our website. We'd be happy to to entertain you over there and get you any information that we can use to help. Fantastic. Well, we will uh, put a link to that in the show notes. And again, it's been our privilege to not only have you on this show, but just to get to know you in our mastermind together and uh, excited to see where all of that's going. So thanks so much for your time on the show, Katie. Thank you. It's been an honor. Well, there you go. Good stuff from Katie Horner, man. That was an awesome conversation. And for those of you that are backstage subscribers, stay tuned because in just a few moments, we'll be joining Katie backstage as she talks more about the four pillars of Flamingo marketing. So we got more good stuff coming your way for those that are part of the backstage community or part of our membership community. You also have access to that premium content. So Les, before we sign off, Can we talk for just a minute about social media? Because there's some ways that people can stay connected to Entree Pastors beyond just our weekly podcast, and we need to tell them about that. So 
how can people yeah. stay online with us, connected with what we're doing in the world of social media? Well, you know, it's more and more apparent, John, as we go, that there are people, many, who just do not agree with our message. And part of the challenge is when, when this is in your heart, finding other people that can speak into it and get ideas and, and all of that. So one way to do it is to have other people around you that are kindred spirits. And yeah. we have a group like that. So if you want to go on Facebook and get a free group, it's Entree Pastors Connect. So if you just search Entree Pastors Connect and ask to get in there, we'll see that right away. And there are a couple of questions just so we can make sure you're a real person. And then uh, we'll add you to that free community. It's a good place to ask questions, get feedback, get some ideas, and then learn more about the community and how you can go deeper if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. And and do answer the questions because if you don't, we, we probably aren't going to let you in the group. So we do screen everyone that's in that free Facebook group. We're also on YouTube, and guys, I, I want to make a quick request here for your help. We've got plenty in our listening audience that could help us right now today. They could push us over the edge. We have like 50 subscribers to our YouTube channel, which is a little pathetic. And the deal is, once you get to 100 subscribers, you can get a you know custom URL, as in Entree Pastors. Like We want that YouTube.com slash Entree Pastors. So yeah. would you please go to, to YouTube right now and subscribe to the Entree Pastors channel we would be grateful for that. And then, Les, I know this is the social media announcement of the century oh, that go. you've been waiting Drum for. Roll. I'm going to let you say it, bro. What, what do they need to know? Where else can they oh, find Entree we Pastors? Are, we are, thanks to the to the future forward-looking John Sanders, we are on TikTok, my man. Yeah, buddy. This week, I finally pushed through the discomfort <laughs> of launching the first couple of videos uh, on TikTok as Entree Pastors. So we'll see what I can mine out there. Uh, from the community of TikTok by way of pastors and, you know, entree pastors. So anyway, you can, if for those of you that are on TikTok, less there's more of them than you think there are, go search mm -hmm. for entree pastors and uh, follow us there as well. We're going to create content. Yeah, man, we, we probably have a whole lot more 16-year-old females than I thought that we would. But. <laughs> Guys, I apologize on behalf of Les. He did not mean that to sound as snide as it did, but anyway... <laughs> Les, it's fun hanging out with you as always, my friend. So you have a great Dude. week. All right. Talk to you later, bro.